Welcome to the Loans On Demand podcast, the show where we flip the real estate status quo on its head and put loan officers into the driver's seat. We give you all the tools, strategies, resources, and mindset needed to modernize your mortgage business and thrive. My name is Luke Shankula, aka Longform Luke, and this is the Loans On Demand podcast. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Loans On Demand podcast, the show where we help loan officers flip the status quo on real estate agents and put loan officers in the driver's seat. And I'm excited because today we have the one, the only, Brian Laflame. I was going to call it Laflame, but I was nice enough to ask him before what his name was. He's a dad. He's a loan officer. He's dealing with the same struggles that you are as a loan officer in this market. So excited to dig in, see some of the strategies he's using. One, to keep his mind from going crazy. And secondly, like how he's getting business in this market. So welcome to the show, man. Thanks, man. When you said the one, the only, I was like, that's not a compliment. I think that's just like a, it's all right, guys. There's only one. You're fine. You're probably going to be able to avoid them. Yeah, that's probably true. That's probably true. So thank you so much for being on here, man, and taking the time to share some, hopefully some value, maybe some jokes, maybe a couple of dumb and dumber quotes. I don't know. We'll see where it goes, but plan. Yeah, I have dumb and dumber quotes from 1030 to 1130 every day. So this kind of fits in perfectly. Perfect. All right. Well, let's do it. I mean, we'll just start right now. I'm just kidding. Thank you so much, man. Uh, Give us a little context, man. Who are you? And then Mm -hmm. kind of background and what got you into this crazy industry that is the mortgage industry? So I was court ordered, like I think most of us were. The judge was like, you're doing mortgages, you're going to jail. I think I picked wrong. So I've been doing this since 04 now. I started in Hawaii doing real estate and a little bit of lending. I think as most of us realize, you got to pick one. Like it's one or the other. You can't do, it's a money grab otherwise. I was living in Hawaii. I was just getting out of the army. I had realized when I bought a condo there that I really wanted to invest in real estate. And it just kind of goes from there. None of us have mortgage guy posters on our walls, except for my kids. I mandate that. All fall into this somehow. And then you either get value from it or you don't. The money's fine. It could be great. It could be awful. Anywhere in between. But the value you can get from really being able to like walk alongside somebody at one of the most important parts of their life is unbelievable. Like the value I get out of that emotionally and how it keeps me going forward of like, Hey, this is a big deal to these people. And I get to be a part of it. I can't buy a house every day. I can be a part of their plus my experience every day though. And that's why I got it. That's why I stay in it. That's why I love it. Love it, man. That's awesome. Because I think a lot of times people do get in it for money and maybe stay in it for money. But in times like these where the money doesn't flow, I mean, obviously 2020 and 21, we saw a huge influx of loan officers chasing the money. And now in 2023, and then obviously last year as well, in 2022, we saw a huge people leaving the industry, right? Going to find jobs, things like that, because the money, again, is a lot harder to come by right now. And I think the people that are sticking through it are typically the people that understand that, you know, one, this is a cyclical market, but also they have the why attached to something more than money, right? Because again, there is really no industries out there that are like mortgage and real estate where I don't even think you need a high school degree. I mean, you just have to pass a test. I think it's recommended that you don't. GED maybe, right? Yeah. And, and, you know, as long as you pass that license, I know there's some more specifications there, but, you know, overall, Mm -hmm. it's a fairly low barrier to entry to make tons of money. But, you know, at the same time, there's a lot of potential for add things to happen as well. And so what I do love about the fact that you said, hey, I'm come alongside these people. I mean, real estate and mortgage is an opportunity for you to help people build wealth and change their whole sort of generational strategy and all that kind of stuff, right? And so I guess sort of talk about the journey a little bit. I love talking about the come up, right? I mean, 04, that means you went through the, you know, 07, 08, 09, you know, whenever that craziness happened. You're mm-hmm. still here now in 2022 and 23 when we're going through a sort of a downturn as well. And by sort of a downturn, this is crazy. So uh, for anybody who doesn't think it's crazy, you're lying. 
you know, anyway, so, so talk about that, man. Kind of what was the journey like? Was it always easy? Were we always making bajillions of dollars the whole time? <laughs> well, I have six kids, so I've never made bajillions of dollars. They have all of the money all of the time. Yeah, you're it. the one, six. The journey is, I was talking to a buddy recently about some of the major milestones in people's lives or the things that affect the most professionally have a very low barrier of entry. You can be a financial planner, Edward Jones, pass a series of pretty simply, you know, pretty simply for what you're handling, right. it's pretty low barrier of entry. Insurance broker, real estate, lending, all of those things that are incredibly important to a layperson, they sit across the desk from you and think you're the expert. We don't have a big barrier of entry. And so you have to have something that drives you more than money. It has to be something inside of you that gets you up. Like we're recording today, which is October 6th, NFP day for October. And we had to wake up today to see the ball market up another 15 basis points. And yeah, it's come back a bit on the 6% mortgage-backed security. And maybe you got a rate below 8%. Like if money drives you, you're out. You have to mm -hmm. wake up and say, all right, well, I got kicked in the teeth again. And it's my responsibility that I've taken on to lead these families that have entrusted me with their financial futures by walking alongside of me to get a mortgage. I have to have something that leads me more than just a commission check. Because right now that juice is not worth the squeeze for many people. Right. There's very few people that are up. And even if you're making good money, it's probably less than you made before. So I remember, I remember how horrible I felt when I bought my very first house. I was 22, I want to say. I was in the army. I had moved from Korea to Hawaii. I knew I wanted to buy a place. I found it. In the army, you have a thing called temporary lodging allowance, TLA. So you move to a new duty station, and then you have a certain amount of time to find a house, whether you rent or buy off post. And if you can't do one of those two things, you move on post. If you're single, it's barracks. If you're married, it's post housing. So until then, you get to live in like a little hotel while you look. You get some time. So they don't move you in and move you up. So I was coming up to the very end of that as I had a contract for a house and I was going through the process. And if you're listening to this podcast, you understand what I'm about to say. I got to closing as a young kid and the loan officer was there and I hadn't seen her the whole time. And I was like, I wonder, okay, maybe this is normal. She's like, hey, by the way, we need an extra $10,000 or else you're not gonna be able to close in this house. It was all the money I had in the world. I was 21, 22 years old. I had to buy furniture. It was everything I had saved up. You guys know how much people get paid in the army. I was an E4, there was nothing. After I got into this job and like people who are listening to this will know she knew that well beforehand. That didn't come up on her way to the closing table and be like, oh yeah, the investor I sent it to said you need an extra 10 grand. She knew. She decided not to tell me. And this was early 2000s before Dodd-Frank and all that. So then I'm on a three-year arm because I'm like, hey, I'm in the military. I'm going to be out of here in three years. And then like six, seven months later, I'm like, you know what? I'm in Hawaii. Just realized that maybe I want to stay. Call me crazy, but maybe I like it here. So I went to refinance to a 30-year fixed. I realized I had a six-month prepayment penalty. And I was an adult. I signed that paperwork. But the person that I chose to lead me looked out for only for herself. Right. At that time, you got paid more on the back end if you put a prepayment penalty on, of course. She knew the things that she needed to do to get me to the closing table, whether it was in my best interest or not. And she did them. So once I got in the business and learned what had happened to me for real, like how purposeful it was, it just left such a horrible feeling in my stomach and a bad taste in my mouth that I was like, I'm never going to lead people that way. I'm only ever going to be up front. I'm going to talk to them about what the costs and the benefits are. I've told a lot of people, like I'm sure a lot of loan officers are listening to this have, it's not a good time to refi. Probably doesn't right. make sense for you right now. Hey, here's the options. If I were you, you know, it may not be the best time for you to buy. Is it always a good time to look at buying? Of course. But always the best time for you personally? Maybe, maybe not. We'll find out together. So that's kind of led me to like, I just, people entrust their livelihoods really because this is the wealth that they're going to build over time. That's going to be generational if they do it right. Right. And we have the opportunity and the responsibility to make sure that we guide them in a way that, you know, to our best ability with their interests first. 
And then the money comes. We've had some really good years. We've had some really average years. Right now we're doing okay. I think we're going to match last year's production be a little below 2021, of course. But our purchase percentage has gone from, I think it was 40% in 2021 to 95% now. And right. so we're going to do the same amount of volume with a purchase percentage that is much, much, much higher. Sure. Because yeah. of that why. Well, that's a testament to, you know, the fact that honestly, you're probably working three times as hard to make the same amount of money, right? Yeah, it is. There's three different full-time jobs now. You got to find somebody in this market who wants to buy when we have mortgage mm-hmm. purchase application activity at lows we haven't seen since the mid 90s. So there's right. nobody out there that's looking. Refinances are down another 27% year over year. So, you know, they were low, now they're lower. So you have to find somebody. Then you have to qualify that person. And I don't know if, the people I talk to, a lot of people are having a lot of problems getting through underwriting with things like variable income. And variable income has taken on a very different definition lately than it used to. It is, mm-hmm. if you worked 39 hours 18 months ago instead of 40, you're variable now. And now we got to go through extra hoops. There's a lot of underwriting scared because there's much less volume. There's much bigger light on them. There's more buybacks. Like There's that mm-hmm. personal aspect too. Then you got to get them qualified and you got to get them through all the way to the end because there's so few homes on the market that these are going to take inspections that are going to have things that need to be fixed. Like it's three full-time jobs and each of them are differently difficult and you just have to be able to weather it. And it goes back to that why of why you're there, what you're doing and why. And then you're handling so many different emotions from so many different people. Realtors aren't doing a whole lot of business and really need this to close. Buyers who are really stressed out by the new payment that rates, especially the last six weeks if they've been pre-approved or four weeks since the Fed talked and, you know, rates have skyrocketed since then. Again, um, you're being a counselor, you're being a confidant, you're being in our situation a brother a lot of times. I'm going to have cigars with a buddy after this, who's a real estate agent, just to be like, I'm here for you, man. Like, no. this does suck. And we could just grab a cigar and we could just be like. Right, right. And that's important, man. I mean, there's that's the main conversations that we've been having recently, especially myself is like, hey, man, like mindset is the most important piece, the mm-hmm. whole equation. I mean, especially as a loan officer right now and anybody really, there's a massive amount of fear in the marketplace across the board, not just the mortgage industry, but across you know the entire US and even you know the, the global economy, right? With mm-hmm. the fact that, you know, inflation is is going crazy, you know, everything's costing more money. Everything's just crazy right now, right? And so if you don't protect your mindset, you don't protect that sort of uh, side of things, more so than ever before, because obviously it was pretty easy to be like positive in 20 and 21. Like, yeah, you were probably working a lot of hours, but you know, when you're they were all profitable, every one of them was profitable. You had to work hard because you're like, Hey, I got 15 refinances to get back to today. Right. I got to go find a person to buy a house today. And it may take me as many calls and hours. It's a very different sort of mental workload. Of course. Of course. Well, and then, in addition to that, like, you know, we're fed all of this negativity via social media, via the news, via media, via everybody that we talk to, because it's just like this pervasive feeling of fear that's in the marketplace. And so, you know, I've really doubled, tripled down on morning routine and things like that. And mm-hmm. just making sure that, you know, because again, a lot of what we do is the same thing. We're working with tons of loan officers. It's just like a lot of it is like, you guys need to show up and you know what you need to do. But the, unfortunately, if your mind is not right, you're not going to do the actions that you need to do. And you know, yep. you need to do them. And so I never dude. start with tactics. I always start with mindset. It's always like, dude, what does your morning routine look like? Dude, I was just on a Zoom with Lindsay Goins. You guys may or may not know her. She's out of South Carolina. She's at 120 mil so far this year. And she talked about that exact same thing. I mean, she's like, I had a shift where now I know everything that goes in my body. I make my bed every morning. I make sure to mm-hmm. exercise. I work on me. And then 
I work on my business. Cause if I don't show up, first of all, I'm taking from you. If I don't show up hundred percent. Yep. Yep. And that's not me right now, man. I am a slave to work. I wake up, I come and I work, I go pick up kids. I come back and I work, you know, eat like shit, Yep. Uh, you know, rarely exercise anymore feel down all the time. All those things I know I should be doing like you just said, and I don't do it because I'm always like, okay, well, I'm going to come out on this on top of this on top. So I'm working harder than everybody else. And it is very much an unhealthy mindset. So it's a grind. And the truth is like, you can sustain that for a while, but without the fundamentals and sort of the basis of like, you have to maintain this for, we don't know, maybe six months, maybe 18 months, maybe 24 months. We don't know how long we have to sustain yep. this. Yeah. And so there's going to be a point that you probably will hit burnout, right? If you continue down that path. And for anybody who's listening, I'm sure we're all in the same boat, right? I've been there many, many times, you know, where I wasn't taking care of myself. I went through massive burnout end of 2021 through 2022. We also got sued, you know, lost a massive client because obviously the market it's crashed. Like one thing after another, another after yeah. another, yeah. Yeah, so it was a massive like, and on top of that, I was burnt out, right? So it was like all of that, all of the external factors, in addition to the fact that inside I was burnt out. And so I think, the truth is most of the time we know what we need to be doing or we maybe are even doing those actions, but we need to think about the longevity of kind of like ourselves and our beings. And sometimes like we need to take that time. And for me, like me, it's not so much like, yes, I need to rest more. I probably need to sleep better at night, but I also need the mental break because sleeping doesn't necessarily give me that mental break, right? I need to go, I play disc golf twice a week and I do that yeah. because I know that'll stop my brain from thinking about work at all. Cause I literally and think about working the second I wake up as well. Yeah. A hundred percent. But I'm thinking about work from the second I wake up to the second I go to bed. And even during the night, I wake up thinking about business, right? So it's like, oh, how do I yeah. shut my brain off? And that's it. Tim Ferriss had a really great point a while ago about like, it's not just the vacation or your, it's just the disc golf. It's the looking forward to it as well. That gives you things right. that kind of powers you through. And you're right. You can wake up in the middle of the night and you get that, like that feeling in your stomach. And you're like, well, now I'm stressed. Like I'm not going back to bed. Right. And so more than just sleep. Yeah. Having a thing that's for you that you really love. hundred percent. I go to the gym five days a week and mostly for mine and stuff like that. But that to me is not my release. Some people, they love to go to the gym. Like that's their way to shut off the brain. I don't like going to the gym. I go because I know it's good for my body and I know it's mm -hmm. good for my mind, but yeah. it's not the thing that shuts me off. Right. I'm also a soccer player, but I tore my hip flexor. So I can't do that right now. So I'm like, I have that was to, a bad have choice. To yeah. 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 If you, I got old, bro. That's the problem. That's the problem. I got old. And, you know, then, you know, then I thought I could not warm up and start playing and shoot a soccer Ooh. ball. Like, isn't it like, like I'm in my 40s and I used to play basketball all the time and you play like pick up football and like your mind still thinks you're that young. Mm hmm. And you get out there like, what am I? I'm that guy now. I'm the dude yep. at the Y who's like, you know, hitting hook shots in the post and then puttering down the court sometimes. I feel yeah, like, like yeah, I, yeah. all of a sudden I'm the old guy now. Yeah. And that's funny because my buddy was just, who's playing softball, he just completely tore his hamstring. I was like, bro, you haven't played a sport in three years. What are you doing sprinting? Like, what? But it's just, it's just funny. That's what we do, right? I mean, especially we, just, we yeah. love to do that. So it's- Our it's jokes are always going to be 12 and are we going to think our bodies are always 22. Yeah. So we're going to always be. Unfortunately, that's not the case. And, you know, again, I mean, just going back to, you know, I've seen a lot of, you know, even top producers where it's tough, right? Like, you know, when you are just getting beat up every single day, it's tough to stay positive. And like, mm -hmm. even if it's like, it's not about being positive. Cause I think sometimes people like post online, they say stuff like, Oh yeah, you know what? Like, you know, this is, this is fine. I like this market. It's like all positivity. Yes. Yes. Like yeah. you're putting your head in the sand and pretending like nothing's happening. That's BS, right? Like that's total trash. Mm -hmm. It's around like, Hey, like we're going to acknowledge that the market is hard, but we're also going to say, Hey, I'm going to show up every single day. I know it's going to be harder right now. I know this is going to like yeah. take three or four times the effort, but also sustainability, man. And, Something I'll challenge you, man, is just like, 
I went through that where I wasn't going to the gym and doing that stuff. And I was drinking more so that more than I wanted yep. to. So I really kind of cut a lot of that stuff out. And it's just like trying to eat better. I still don't eat awesome, but you know, I eat pretty well, mostly during the week. And then on the weekends, obviously, you know, but uh, mm-hmm. overall, like I know I feel it. And so one of my old mentors, mm-hmm. hey, remember the actions that you were taking when you felt good. Like he's always like, says like, yeah. when you're really good, what are the actions that you're doing? And it always comes down to you're doing a morning routine. You're going to the gym, you're eating healthy, you're doing all these things. Every time. And then when we're feeling like crap, it's usually the opposite, right? We're eating we like one or drinking two of those things go, and then another thing, and another thing, yep. and all of a sudden yep. now we're here. Yep. Instead six months of, later, like, six months later, like, well, shit, now I can't get up in the morning, even yeah. though before I used to jump out of bed. Yep, yep. And it takes time. And the thing is, is just creating those habits. So I know we've kind of talked about this for a little bit, and just just a challenge mm-hmm. for anybody who's here is like. In this market, I think mindset is the number one thing. And like I said, I mean, you know, if you're trying to fill other people's cups and your cup is empty, like there's going to be a point where you can no longer do that. The flip side of that is like we have to show up as the professional. And if you show up as a professional to your clients, that means you're confident. You're presenting a plan and you're leading them. So you're giving your best self to these people all the time. Yep. Yep. What has to slip then is you give to people in your personal life, to your wife or husband, to your kids, to your friends, to your Mm -hmm. siblings, to your parents. One of those things has to, and I've felt that a lot, like I give all of me and people take all of me throughout the day and into the night sometimes. And then I'm a zombie at home. I feel that. Yeah. I can't imagine that we are unique. And hopefully somebody's like, Hey, I feel seen. I feel heard. Oh my God, I'm going through that same thing because it can feel very lonely out here. And then when we bring something like this up and you just right away, like, yeah, man, me too. Like there wasn't a hesitation. There's got to be, you know, 9.11 out of 10 people feel that same way in our business. I call that, I mean, you know, it's something I learned from someone too, but it's, it's called the curse of achievement, right? Like, especially for high performers, it's especially true, right? Because we're always like, mm-hmm. we think that we should be here and like, we're always chasing that level. And, you know, there's a healthy way to do that. There's an unhealthy way to do that, but ultimately yeah. we're always going to be chasing growth. And so when we are in these sort of seasons of pullback and things like that, it starts to feel like, all right, like, are the actions I'm taking worth it, right? Sometimes you start to doubt and things like that. But again, just goes back to like, I agree, man. Like, you know, I'll give, 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 especially right now mm-hmm. with the market. Like a lot of it is coaching on like, hey, man, like what's your morning routine looking like? This stuff we're yeah. talking about. How are you doing, dealing with your life? I go home, I get angry at my kids. I get mad at my wife. You know, all these right. things. Like, man, the dishes are here. I'm like, dude, like everything's wild right now. And so, mm-hmm. so it is something that is super prevalent. I mean, I went through a dark, you know, I was super depressed and I was, I wasn't like to the point of like suicide or anything like that, but it was, I was super dark and depressed. And I was like, man, like, this was back in 2021, 20, 22. So I talk about it a lot online. I get mm-hmm. DMs constantly like, hey man, thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing. It's just like, it's powerful to me. And that keeps me going. Cause I'm like, all right, I'm showing up. I'm doing these things. And sometimes it feels crappy. And like, mm-hmm. sometimes it's like, maybe people are going to look at me as like this weekling or something like that. And like, every time it's like, no, like you're strong for showing up and saying, this is how hard it is. I remember so you do. being in therapy a while ago and really being vulnerable and open and these things that it was a rough, rough, rough time. And then leaving that month, month and a half period of really intense therapy and thinking like we, especially as men, we feel like vulnerability is so weak. Like, oh, if I show you my weakness, you're going to exploit it or you're going to think less of me or I got to be this superhero. Nobody thinks you are, first of all. Nobody expects you to be. And then really the vulnerability is the true strength. It really is. Somebody, especially a man, I don't like to gender role too much, but we have put these rolls on each other and, right. and we as boys don't grow up talking about our feelings or what we think or we're achievers right. or and women have a very you know are achievers as well but it's a different sort of mentality and mindset where men just aren't vulnerable and we're not we're not open with our weaknesses or you know yeah. allow ourselves to be open to judgment and it's so much more powerful and so much more 
a show of strength than this just strong, silent, suffer myself on a mountaintop kind of person. And I'll just throw a call to action to anybody who's listening to this who is in a dark place. Like, reach out, man. Like, hit me in the DMs. I jump on calls with people all the time. I, I literally throw it out all the time. Like, if you're going through a period of time, a lot of times darkness just needs some light. You just need to shed some light. You need to share it with someone. And that's what creates that sort of progress. And you can get out of that darkness. And so that's just my you know call to action. Not like, I'm not going to try to sell you anything. I promise. Like just literally, like if you're having, you know, you're feeling lonely, you feel like no one feels like you just know that you're not alone, especially in a market like this. I would wager 60 plus percent of the people in this market are feeling like that. And I don't mean just the mortgage industry. I mean, in general, in, in our yeah. world. Common thread is when you feel alone, you never really are. And if you've been in that position, you realize, well, no, of course that person's not alone. Of course I felt alone, but I wasn't alone. And right, right. the best thing I did was ask just for help, especially now, especially in this industry, especially with all the hope that we've had for the past, I don't know, at least this year, you know, as rates were coming down and we had happened so quickly to us that it took so many people off guard. And then you just compound that darkness yep. if you don't raise your hand and say something yeah this is a long podcast yeah let's talk about for real yeah, like, this yeah. Is not well, i expected this to go but I'm me like, neither this is me neither the truth is like that's the real talk right now in this industry is i mean this is the conversations i'm having every single day with not only you know myself really i mean yeah. you know, we sell it a loan officer so like obviously like you know we're dealing with the same repercussions that loan officers are right i mean the market mm -hmm. is scared and there's just a lot of things going on there and so it's like we have these conversations i'm having the conversations you know, as an entrepreneur as well, like it's always hard when you're the one that's the number one, when you're the one that's responsible and obviously all of a sudden you have a team and all of a sudden you have like yeah. people that depend on you, like the pressure just continues to build. I honestly don't wish the pressure on anybody. I gladly bear it, but I also don't wish somebody because it's a lot, right? I mean, I talked about mm -hmm. this the other day. And so, you know, we'll move on past this, you know, just we've kind of gone pretty deep here. Um, yeah. I'll just say this. If you're in these places, like start to think like, how can I create a positive morning experience or morning routine. And you know, a lot of times people think you have to have this four hour morning routine. And I was working with a mindset coach like a year and a half ago. And one of the things he says, like, you keep saying this word, I have to, I have to, I need to. And it's mm. not like, no, like this morning routine should be what you want to do. So it's like, I want to, like, I want it's to. It's yours. Yeah. yeah. You don't have to go in the sauna. You don't have to do an ice bath. You don't have to do all these things that everybody tells you you need to do to be successful. I want to you meditate. Gym. I have to make, no, you don't have to. Yeah. And if you want to read a book, like yeah. just you time that you do what you do and it's a routine. Yep. hundred percent. And so that was a big shift for me. Cause I was like, man, I got to do this. I got a journal. I got to do that. And like, Nope, I get up. It becomes a chore that you don't look forward to. Yes. I get up, yeah. I go to the gym and I do breath work. That's my morning routine. And then I go home. Work, yeah. And so that to me is what releases like a lot of the anxiety and all that stuff. And that's just what I do every single morning. And so it's really made a big difference. We had our baby in March. And so I kind of fell off that's of that right. for a couple of weeks. And I felt yeah. the difference, dude. I felt the difference when in just a month, month and a half of not going to the gym and, and not doing the routines, I felt a massive difference in my mindset. And I was like, holy crap, that's how powerful it is to do that. So yeah, let's get into some of the things that you're doing right now to get business in this market. I know we could talk about that all day, mindset and yeah. personal or mental health. It's something that's not talked about a lot in this industry and it should be. Get into some tactics or strategies that maybe you're using in this market to one, stay positive and two, get business. I mean, because I know you're still yeah. closing you know, decent amount of deals and doing okay. Not where we want to be. I think we'll end the year at 40 million okay. the year, which I'm so proud of. And sure. That's sure. That sounds weird to say because a lot of people will be over, a lot of people will be under. We're kind of right in the middle there, but I just said vulnerability is strength. So there's our number. Yeah. Um, it's a good number. We're doing a good number this year. Oh my God. 
earning every single one of it. So I'm proud of it. Right. Every yeah. single one I'm earning, whether somebody is doing 140 or whether somebody is doing 4 million, you're earning every single one. And yep. every number is something to be proud of if you just survived. Yep. I've done a couple of things. We could see, I think most of us could see a little bit of the 2020, 2021 wasn't going to last forever. So what are we going to do? How do we make money now? And how do we plan for the future? Sure. Nobody knew it would be, you know, this quick and this bad. Right. You can't say you did because we've never been here before. So you didn't, you knew it would be rough. So I started diving into what I really enjoyed. I were friends on Facebook. I love telling jokes. I love making people laugh. Brain never stops. And it's the way that I think. And I put it out online and sometimes people like it. And most times people don't, but it's just, I love that. And so I love talking to people. I love being in front of people. And so I started teaching classes to agents and then in teaching classes, I would do it via Zoom and I brought them into a Facebook group where nice. I could talk about the market, where I could talk about the classes that I want to do with them. And I could just continue to pepper them with my own personality too. I make fun of them. I post memes in there. I want it to be kind of like my friends. Sure. Uh, in this about, I'd say four years ago or so, I made the choice of I'm only going to work with people I like because this job like we just talked about is so hard. Yep. So if I can go like later, have a cigar with you just to be a friend, that's the people I want to work with. And there's a million lenders, there's a million loan officers. The person that doesn't get along with me is going to get along with somebody else. They're going to find right. another good one. You know, I don't mind that. So that was a big tactic. I said, hey, I like this part of the job. So I'm going to do this part of the job as much as possible. And then how am I going to make sure that I can do that in the most effective way possible? Well, I'm going to get them all over in this group so I can talk to them here. It's gotten me a couple of marketing agreements and offices as those agents would continue to come and like, hey, I want this for my office as well. Right. Can you come help us out? That was a big thing. And then I switched to, I use Candid CRM. It's pretty expensive, but it is incredible. It okay. runs my whole team and I do everything out of that when I'm doing my work. We have a follow-up plan like I think most people do when I get introduced to a client. This happens and this happens so systematized. My brain is so ADD and I need these guardrails up or else I won't do it. I just, right, I'll, right. I'll build a million half bridges instead of one full one. I feel that. Uh, yeah. It's really good in some ways, the way my brain works and really, really sure. a crutch in others. So right. this is what happens from when I meet somebody all the way through post-closing a year past closing. Like this is just what happens. So I sit down, I open it. These are my tasks and I just do it and I note it and I do it and I note it and I do it and I note it. And that's been super, super, super helpful for us this year. Is this something that you implemented over the last couple of years? When did this get implemented? This sort of theory? Handed CRM came in 2020. I'd been through others, Total Expert, sure. Act a long time ago, a few others. I've been through others. Sure. This is the one that really ended up sticking, I think, because I just made a point of I'm doing CRM. You got to use it. Um, got to use it. That's the biggest thing with everybody's always looking for like that best CRM. The truth is like you could use a Google Sheet as a CRM. I did. And I for if you follow it. Four or five years, Google Doc ran my whole team with Google Sheets. Ran my whole and team. And if you follow, it's obviously not going to be the most efficient way you can run it. But right. as long as you're taking the actions that are in mm -hmm. that place. Cause like, again, the CRM is worthless. If you don't have CRM, if you don't have automation set up, if you're not, you know, yeah. using tasks for, if you're not using it for follow-ups, if you're not, there's a million CRMs out there and they all work. Someone out there is making every single one of these CRMs work. Otherwise they wouldn't be making money. Well, they would be making money because people buy CRMs and then switch to another CRM yeah. and then switch to another it's like CRM. A, it's like a gym membership. They buy yeah. it and never use it. Yeah. Like gyms make money off of the 15, 20, hundred dollars a month from the 85% of people that don't show up. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But that's it. You're right. You just have to use it. Every time I meet a new lender or a new realtor, I tell them the couple of things that I really wish I would have known when I started. 
Number one was everybody you meet goes into an Excel spreadsheet, a Google sheet or CRM, whatever you have, everybody you meet, their name, their phone or their email, a little bit of note about them and then how you're going to contact them next and when every single person, if you do that from day one, you will be a millionaire in this business. You just will. You have to be. Your database sure. will get so large and you'll have an opportunity to help so many people. It will just work itself. You have to have to have to do that. And then for lenders, I say just you got to be an asset to realtors. You just have to. One, when you get in this business long enough, you're the leader. The realtor is not the leader. We get so scared of realtors a lot of times as an industry. Like, oh, my God, mm -hmm. I can't get any leads. I hate when lenders say, I can't get a realtor to give me a lead. Yeah, man, you fucking can't. They shouldn't. They shouldn't give you anything. What are you doing to earn this? Right. How are you setting yourself apart as somebody who deserves to have their name attached to? Because that's what they're doing. Hey, call Luke. I trust him. If you're not trustworthy, or if you don't have a work ethic, or you don't have the ethic that matches this realtor, well, now their name is trashed to this person that they refer to. It's a big right. deal. And right. we close, a normal loan officer is going to close in a month what a normal realtor will close in a year. Now, normal is different, but it's that's you mean, not you mean unheard in, of. You mean a number of transactions? Okay, units, yeah. yeah, sure. Well, I need it. So, you know, sure. a loan officer closes three to five units in a month and feels like, all right, I got it. That's a really good metric to get to. A realtor closes five units in a year. They're doing okay. In a, right. The middle of the road. Two and a half, three percent is, you know, they're making obviously, you know, two, three X, which you are. Yeah. But you are in so many more files, dealing with so many more situations, being a leader in so many more transactions that you need to step up and be the leader to them too. They want to be okay. led just like a buyer does. And you'll get so many more referral partners if you just step up and lead them. You're in charge. Like you are Man. in charge. Act like it. You're speaking my language. It's funny because I was doing a coaching call with some people and someone was like, I just don't feel like I have anything that, you know, it's valuable to them. I said, BS, dude, like you, that's crap. He's like, I just don't feel like it. I'm like, no, that's trash. That just means you haven't sat down and thought about like, what are the things that you can do better or different for them? Like, can you teach them classes? Can you learn chat GPT? Can you learn how to use, you know, Google my yeah. business to get them reviews? Like you just have to try to learn some things that are going to teach them how to either make more money or save time. Yeah. Right. Those are the only two things that they care about. Right. Like, and it's such a mindset of, I don't have anything to, what do I have change from, I don't have anything to, what do I have? Or I don't have anything to, Hey, I have this, 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 and this, like it's a mindset shift of a negative to a positive. You're right. right. BS. Stop it with that. With that mindset, you sure don't because you stop your creativity right there. I don't have anything. You just rattled off four different things off the top of your head yeah. that anybody could spend 15 minutes on and learn enough to teach somebody. 100%. And that's the truth is like, if you really, truly don't have anything, that's a problem. Because there's, I mean, here then? we live in internet age, right? Like you can literally go on YouTube and spend five hours a week for the next, you know, I don't know, month yeah. and a half, two months. And you're the expert at whatever the thing is that you watched all these YouTube videos around. Right. You are. You absolutely are. And it frustrates me, especially when loan officers say, well, I can structure a loan better than anybody else. There's like four loans, man. You're going Fannie Freddie, or you're going conventional FHA via USDA. And then there's some stuff inside of that. We right. have such QM guardrails up on us right now and have for a long time. If that's your value, then you should be an LOA or a processor. Agreed. Not that that's not valuable, but your value is something different. You can have them fill out an online app and then you can run it through DU. They can tell you what to get and you can get it and you can match it up. And okay, cool. Great work. That's not your job. Like, your job is to bring value because if that's your job, the person behind you can do that. And the person behind you can do that. And they're bringing right. something else as well. Why would you get paid as a salesperson? Because the truth is you make a lot of money to close a transaction. Mm -hmm. A salesperson gets paid because they're bringing in business. Yeah. You are not bringing in business and you don't consider yourself a salesperson. Like oh, I'm an advisor. I'm this. 
again, I talk about this yes, a lot. Yes, and. Yes, and. I agree. I agree. That's yeah. what I say. You talked about this early in the call, and I wanted to talk about this, but you talked mm. about, you know, like, sometimes I'm telling people not to do it. That is sales. In my opinion, yeah. the problem with the word sales is people associate it with bad salespeople, bad actors that are selling yeah. people the products they should not be in. What sales is, is identifying a problem. And if your solution, the thing that you do is the solution to their problems, then you sell them into that. If it's not, mm -hmm. not the right timing, or if they should wait, then you should also sell them into that. that. Yeah. Such a simple and distinct mind shift of, mm -hmm. I'm going to look out for their best interest, not mine. 100%. And if you do that enough, your best interest will align with theirs because yep. you'll either become the person who cares about their best interest, or you'll help so many people that you'll be able to fulfill your best interest, which, you know, money makes you more of who you are. If you're a good person with money, you'll be better. If you're a shitty person with money, you'll be shittier. It's a vehicle to be you. And yeah, if you just mind shift a little bit to, hey, how can I help this person, their goals, your life will open up and this work that we're doing is going to be more fulfilling, even though hard, and you'll have more opportunities to help people too, because then they'll care about you. Well, but you actually have to ask them what their problems are. Mm -hmm. Most people, most people, Here's an online app. Go fill it out. I'm not talking to you. You're a tire kicker if you don't fill out this online app first. Yeah. What? Like, so you're going to just pigeonhole them? And maybe they shouldn't be filling out this online app. Right. Maybe right now they have a 480 credit score. Like, I don't know. You haven't had the conversation yet. And so, I don't know. I think that, unfortunately, the online app, while it has created a lot of efficiencies, it also has created a lot of bad habits and a lot of loan officers because, you know, they think that someone that doesn't fill out a 14, whatever, 40 question questionnaire is not qualified. You're like, dude, like... Why would someone fill this out? Like, obviously you get away with it with referrals, but like, mm -hmm. you know, we deal with online stuff all the time. It's like, these people don't know, like, or trust you. Like you don't deserve them to do that unless you've actually identified a pain. Cause that's what we do as salespeople. We identify a pain point. If not, what we're doing is we're prescribing a solution that may or may not be a solution to their problem, which yeah. in the medical space, that would be malpractice. It's very similar to, I don't like us comparing ourselves to like Dr. Nurse or you doctor this because we're not. They had to of go course. to college, they're better. Of but course. there's some similarities in the principles. Of course. I call my doctor or urgent care and I say, hey, this, this, and this is wrong. Hey, you need to come in. They're still going to say, like, take my symptoms down or, you know, you're going to fill out this form about all your information first and then I'm going to see you. I think using the online application that way, which maybe I think that because that's the way we do it. I tell yeah. people, hey, you're going to fill out a digital mortgage questionnaire and then we're going to set up a Zoom call to go over all of your needs after we review everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a call, there's an email, there's a Zoom. And some people don't want to do it. And that's fine. But I've heard you say that about the online ad before. And I was like, am I doing that? Like, I really thought, am I just pushing people off? And I was like, no, I'm not. I'm I think you're missing. Zooms up with them every single time. Yeah. And yeah. Not, that's the thing. That's the point, not, right? Yeah. That's the point. Getting to a connection. And when I talk to them about filling an application out, I say, look, you can absolutely come into the office and we can absolutely do this in person or we can absolutely do this on their phone. It's just going to be me asking your name, your social, yeah, yeah, where yeah, you yeah. work, how long do you work there? Or once I get all this information, we'll set up a Zoom tomorrow and go over everything that you need. That's worked for us. Yeah, discovery. I mean, the biggest it's thing a, is like- That's uh, the discovery call. Yeah, yeah. Discovery needs to happen at some point mm -hmm. in that transaction. The reason I say that is just because, you know, you can get away without referrals. I still think, honestly, you're probably missing out on some deals by doing it that way. You know, it is what it is. That's just my opinion. You know, because I just know that you may have a good application, online application, but there's a lot of bad online applications out there as well that are super overwhelming. People don't want to fill them out. Like, yes. You know, yeah. so we do our so, candid, which is very much like a lending tree kind of thing. Okay. It's just like about how much do you make? Like it's, yeah, it's very okay, cool. just, yeah. And maybe I'm doing it wrong. Is no, it I'm not. First I'm not. And it is. Everybody's going to be different. Everybody's different. always open to maybe I can do a little better job. I'm not even saying that you're doing it wrong. It's just, you know what? Message received, Luke. Message received. 
<laughs> You're doing it wrong, Brian. You're telling me the there's heck? a chance. <laughs> yes. I, we had to throw one of those in there, man. You know, so that's awesome. No, I appreciate that because like at the end of the day, it's not about wrong, right or wrong. It's just around like people need to understand that these are humans and we can't just pigeonhole them into a 30 year fix. Like maybe that's not the right product for them, right? Yeah. Maybe the right product for them isn't our product. Maybe it's a two one buy down. Maybe it's, Hey, you should wait six months. You know, we don't know that until we have that conversation. And so I think the discovery piece, and I think, again, people have taken advantage of the online apps. So they don't do that. So what I like is that you are setting up a zoom call. You are walking through mm-hmm. what do they actually want and kind of a consultative approach to that. Like, Hey, like, what are your goals? Because if we don't identify their goals and we don't know, like maybe we want to set them up yeah. so that they can buy another home in five years. Right. We don't know. It's selfless and selfish. It's selfless in that. I really want to know what's best for you so I can advise you that way. And it's selfish yep. in that in this sort of rate environment, people are going to be shopping. And if I can set them up on a Zoom where I can screen share and I can bring up charts and talk about what the market has done, what it's doing, Mm -hmm. where it's going and why, how I think about it, bring up a mortgage coach and say, hey, here's all your different options. This is what it looks like over this time period and that time period. Here's some costs and benefits. They stop asking questions about, well, I bet I can get a better deal somewhere else. They stop that. Now I'm the expert in this and they believe me and they trust me. And also they think, well, all right, I do have some loan options. If this guy calls me and says, and give me better rate, well, so can Brian. He just showed me. It's both selfless and selfish. And it's made our conversion ratio much higher. Everybody do Zoom calls. We do them in pre-approval and we do them when they're in contract. Do a Zoom call and record it for your realtor partner and then send it to your realtor partner and stand apart from your competition. Just make sure you scrub the MPI data before you uh, do that. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) For anybody who's honest. uh, CPB, what? Henry, Henry, I would never do that. I'm just joking. But yeah, yeah, for real though, like Zoom is huge. And sometimes people will be like, well, you know what? Like I don't turn on my camera. And I'm like, dude, this is like being in person. This is the closest thing to being in person as possible. I've built my whole business yeah. off of Zoom. I have zero yep. employees in my office. Mm-hmm. I meet zero people in person. Very rarely. I do meet people in right. person sometimes, but very it's rarely. And action now. We have clients all across the country and it's just like, all because of Zoom and, you know, mm-hmm. more of something like a Zoom, something that you can get, you know, face to face with someone. And so it's a powerful tool. It's a powerful tool when you're talking to real estate agents, again, because a lot of sales is nonverbal stuff, so right? Much. And so it's so much harder to relay emotions and stuff like that via just a cell phone call or something like that, because they can't see your face changing. You yeah, know. You have to be better at sales if you're going on a cell phone versus, mm-hmm. you know, using a Zoom. So it's guesswork. And also people get so caught up in how they look or how they sound. They don't want to do video or Zoom because of that. Like, man, it's only a secret to you. We see yeah. you all the time. Yes. We hear you all the time. We yeah. like you. So just, <laughs> you, this is how you look. That's what you sound like. That's what you I'm sound gonna like, I'm going to look yeah. at this and I'm going to pick out every single flaw that I have. I'm not going to look at, well, you don't have any flaws, Luke, but had you had a flaw, <laughs> I wouldn't even have noticed it. But I'm going to pick out all of mine. And that's, <laughs> everybody does that. So just know that if you're scared of this stuff because of that, get over yourself. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. I mean, they are thinking about that weird thing that you said in middle school, but other than that, nobody cares. Yeah. Well, it's funny. It's true. I mean, most people think about themselves more often than, and that's just the truth is, mm-hmm. you know, people you are like, oh, that, with yourself. Everybody's like, Oh, that person's looking at me weird. It's like, no, they probably even thought about something. something else. Yeah. They're yeah. thinking about something else. So, all right. And so like, let's kind of leave people with like a tactical, like what is one thing yeah. if you were to like be starting today or like, you know, even now, like what's the sort of like an endeavor that you're taking to get business or if you were to go out there right now, like how would you get business right now? I would get business by teaching classes to real estate agents that matter. You can find any number of services that do it. Your company can do it. You have people in your office that have taught classes. You can jump on YouTube, like you said, Luke, and you can make an easy PowerPoint. People are thirsty for that knowledge. I would get in front of most people at the most people I can. I would speak English first. I would get in front of the most people possible and I would give them 
the most amount of value that I could. I would just continue, continue, continue to lead with value. And it only takes about three or four times before somebody then is going to trust you and then start to refer business to you. Stop asking for loans. Everybody out there is hungry and starving as a lender right now. And they're doing the 40 agent calls on Monday at during the same time the agents getting these same calls. And I'm not saying don't do that, but don't do just that. Don't right. call and ask for a loan. Bring something to the table and then use Zoom with your clients or meet them in person. But I like Zoom because... They don't cancel. They don't have to take a whole, you know, three hours off work to come in. They can do it from their car on their lunch break. It's so convenient. And you can really give that piece of value to your real estate agent partner of here's how I set myself apart. This is the advice that I gave this person. This is what our conversation was when you're out looking at homes with them. This is what I'm doing. Give value. If I do just those two things. And then post calls follow up is the third. Call them afterwards. I tell people they sign a friendship contract with me. A no takesy backsy clause in it is ironclad is showed up in court. And so I'll say, hey, you're my friend now. Gave you hundreds of thousands of dollars. We're going to talk. So I call them on a set schedule. I let them know that. And then I'm always asking, hey, if you have any friends or family, coworkers, we'd love to help them. Mm -hmm. If you have any enemies, we'll do the worst job in the world. We'll give them the highest rates. We will send them to the worst real estate agent. <laughs> it will be the worst experience. It will be so petty with you. Those are the few things that I would do. I love that you do that because like that also makes you stand out in terms of like just making those little jokes. And it's memorable, like yeah. And we I mean, use my personality, them, so. For sure. I mean, you got to stick with your personality. So if you're a super serious person and you try to drop that, it's probably not going to hit very well. But, <laughs> but it's funny because like we talk about this, like, you know, cold calling. Like we've done this plenty of times with cold calling. It's like, hey, like I just want to let you know this is a cold call, you know, so yep. you can either hang up on me or, and it works really, really well because people so are like, well, wow. It's so disarming. Yeah. yeah. So I do it with the realtors all the time. Hey, I'm a lender. That means I got to call you. Like. That's it. I'm doing my job. Yeah. It's so disarming of, yeah, you're right. This isn't that big a deal. It's not. Well, and, and again, I mean, people appreciate that you're like acknowledging it and not just trying to sell someone. And the truth is, you know, no one wants to get sold. And so if you can start with that piece and okay, mm -hmm. so let's real quick, you talked about value. People talk about value all the time. What are some of the, like, maybe like three or five things that you okay. think about from a perspective of value? Because what most loan officers think is value is like, we got this product. That's yeah. so a two, one buy down. Yeah. And you're like, okay, so well, you value can do it, is, but yeah, first you got to look at yourself. Like you said, what do you bring? What do I do? I was in this market, like I said, in 2004 or so all the way through the crash. And I really started getting into the secondary market securitization, how geopolitical and macroeconomics affect mortgage interest rates. And I really enjoy that part of it. I've done a ton of studying on it and I really like it. And so I will, in my homebuyer classes and in my realtor classes or lives in my Facebook group, I will pull out charts and I'll go over what is happening in the market and why. A lot of us have become kind of armchair experts in what the Fed does, or what the Fed says we've kind of had to. If that doesn't interest you, then don't take that path. Don't right. be fake. But that really interests me. And that's a thing that I bring a value. And then like, hey, what can I do to help realtors get business right now? Well, it's super low inventory. Why don't I look up some strategies on how to get more listings? I'm going to teach that class to you. So I try to put myself in the shoes of the person that I'm serving. This is what they would think is valuable. And then I'll ask them, what do you want? What do you think is valuable? I'll ask them a lot because I don't want to sell to a thing that isn't on the table. And then can I meet that? And if I can, then I just, I double down on doing that. I look at what I enjoy, how I enjoy doing it, and is it going to be helpful to them? And those are the things of value. I try to bring backwards, helpful as a value. Am I, can I do it well? And do I really enjoy it? And if I can, then I do that. Nice. Okay, cool, man. So yeah, I mean, just for everybody who's listening, I mean, it could be anything. That's why like, you know, kind of want to give some esoteric. ideas. Yeah, I give some ideas. But at the end of the day, like, I mean, it could be, you know, maybe do YouTube, maybe you're a social media person that does social media stuff. Maybe yeah. like, you know, I tell Are you, you a workhorse, do a call night with your realtors. 
hey, let's call your leads. Yeah. Let's see. Let's call together. I work on your team today. I'm not getting any loans. I work on your team. Hey, I'm I from the team. And if you're a workhorse, work, like do it. Well, that's what's funny is that I was going to say that because like a lot of times our consumer direct guys that come consumer direct that go originating themselves, they're mm-hmm. like so scared to talk to agents and stuff. I'm like, bro, you've converted online leads. Call them up and say, hey, what if I did a class on mm-hmm. converting online leads? Like you guys buying any leads right now? No. Yes. Okay, cool. Let's call them. Let's, I'll show you, you know how, how many to scripts you probably have that you don't know are scripts or just things you say yep. that have worked. You'll start saying, you're like, oh my God, that is a script. Yeah. Right? So yeah, that's a huge benefit to somebody who is direct to consumer, which a realtor normally is more than we are. Right. You've done this. Teach them. Yeah. That's what I say. I'm like, dude, like, cause yeah. a lot of times they're like, well, what do I do for value? I'm like you literally have been taught to be a freaking sales savage yeah. on the phone with people who don't know, like, or trust you. If you can transfer that to someone else and show them how they can convert at 1% better and show them yeah. that, Hey, 1% better means for every hundred leads you get, you get one more deal, maybe 2% better, maybe 5% better. I don't yeah. know, whatever the numbers are. It, yeah. so it starts to stack up, right? And so if you can teach that, again, there's all kinds of things you can do. So thanks so much for your time today, Brian. Thanks, buddy. Any sort of final thoughts as we kind of wrap up? Oh, God, so many final thoughts. All right. So first of all, I have a lot of opinions on, no, I don't have no idea. Cool, Thanks. I appreciate you. This has been great. Thanks for having me on. I hope it was helpful. It wasn't just don't publish it and no one will ever know. Yeah. Yeah. I'll make sure that this doesn't uh, hit the air ever because man, this is atrocious. <laughs> this is the worst. This is the worst podcast I've ever done. So no, I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much for your time. For me, I mean, the biggest things that I took away from this is one, make sure you make jokes. I'm just kidding. You know, if that's your personality, just well, be authentic, right? Show up yeah. authentically. I mean, because that's one thing that I'll say. One thing that I connected with with your content online is you, just, mm-hmm. you put out funny content, right? And you're consistently putting out freaking hilarious content. And so that's okay. a, attractive to people. And people like to do business with people that are like them. They don't mm-hmm. like to do business with people that all they do is post business, right? So many people think that, that yeah. the thing that gets you business is posting business stuff. And then also, obviously, we talked mindset a lot. We talked mm-hmm. around, you know, morning routines, things like that. Super important in this market. So thank you so much for your time. If someone wanted to reach out to you, find you online, anything like that, is there anywhere that people can contact you? Yes. Yeah, so Facebook would be best. It's just Brian the Flame. It's hard to, Brian with a Y, the right way to spell it because my parents, they're God-fearing you know, stand-up citizens who know how to spell right, right, right. and a flame with two M's. Yeah. Facebook's probably the best way or yeah, that's probably the best way. That's where most people know. So we're all old. We're on Facebook. Right. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly what I say. I was like, I don't know how to use those other platforms. What are you talking about? <laughs> nope. Awesome. Thank you so much, Brian. And for anybody who's listening, if you are looking for some help on flipping the status quo on real estate agents, go to flipthestatusquo.com. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day. Thank you for tuning into the Loans On Demand podcast on loansondemandpodcast.com. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.